Welcome to the third part of This Was 2022, a year in review, a special edition of the Beginner's Mind podcast. Yes, actually, our inner love system exactly does this. Mm. But the difference in Theranos is we have the blood sampling, the blood collection system, mm. and then the back end, there's a laboratory with high sensitive validated test systems. And of course, from one blood sample, 5,000 different parameters, this never will work. So mm -hmm. this has to be specified. And there must be the technology, validated technology that really can do that. The idea, of course, was, was, was great. Mm -hmm. And they did not fail because of the idea. So they simply failed because they did not have the technical equipment behind it. They could not analyze what they promised. It's a simple <laughs> question of technology. Yeah, they didn't tell anybody. It sounded really fine. <laughs> I'm your host, Christian Soschner, and I'm excited to be joined by Albert Miespichler, a business angel with over 30 years of experience in biochemistry and clinical diagnostics. In this episode, we will be discussing the highlights of 2022, the differences between scientific business-to-business -business world and business-to-consumer world, the challenges of translating science into simple words, and we will also be exploring the lifestyle habits and health literacy of Generation Z, as well as the crucial habits for longevity. Finally, in this episode, we will be discussing the changes in the post-pandemic conference industry and the big trends to look out for in 2023 in diagnostics. Stick around for all of this and more with Albert Miespichler on the Beginner's Mind podcast. Vienna. Ah, nice. So we can have a brief introduction and just promote the team to a panelist and I hope... Uh, I push the right button. Yeah, now he's coming online. And let's give him a very warm welcome. Uh, Albert, you're on mute and your camera is off. Now you're, now you're here. Hello, I'm just busy. Yeah, okay. nice, <laughs> nice, nice background. Is it, uh, real or is it a picture? <laughs> this is unfortunately, or fortunately, this is a picture because outside it would be rather cold today. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it. I it's a picture it. from just outside uh, our rooms. There's the Markfeld Canal, where it's fine to go for a walk or run or do a bicycle round in between to get off the computers. That's good. Albert is a business angel from, from Vienna and uh, Caroline runs the new meat company, Albert. She is uh, based yes, in I, Berlin. I was listening for some time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's very interesting. Thank you. Karina, it was uh, good seeing you. I wish you great 2023. What's your, it's a final question, what's your big prediction for 2023? My big prediction? Mm -hmm. In which field? In general? General. What do you, what you would like to talk about? What I, I think my prediction for 2023 is um, life goes on. And there is no reason to panic, even if it gets a little more challenging. So every crisis has uh, upsides and um, we will manage. That's that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. I wish you, your family, your team, uh, a very, very Merry Christmas and a good start into the next year. 
Thank you so much. Same to you. See Enjoy you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Alvia, it's good to see you. How is life? Thanks. Life is, well, stressy as every year at the end of the year. So suddenly Christmas arrives and everybody panics to finish all the things that would have been done within the last few months. But nevertheless, such is life. And I'm quite, quite fine and happy to have finished many of the projects we started. It was a very interesting year. Um, we could not imagine how these uh, things after the lockdowns and so on will, will go on. But I think life is turning to normal slowly, but surely to normal again. And I'm really happy to have personal meetings again, to be able to talk to people directly, not only via computers or whatever. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. What were your highlights in 2022? Well, first of all, it was some some congresses again and some meetings uh, to see people again, to pick up new ideas. As a part of my job is to find new ideas, new possible startups or persons that think about creating a startup. And this is not possible when you have some some meetings online. And the second big thing was, of course, the transformation of Fionostics from a company that was built to deliver or to produce kids, diagnostic kits for research. Mm-hmm. And we had to turn from business to research to business to customer which is a completely different structure inside the company, which is a completely different mindset of how you present your products, how you go to the market. You don't have to produce papers or scientific issues wherever you have to put the complicated things into very easy words that could be and can be understood by people from the street. And this was a really challenge for us. It's a very small company. We have five people. But I think we managed quite fine. Where do you see the differences between the P2P and the P2C world? I'm curious now. But what, what are the biggest differences? So let's say the three biggest differences to make it more challenging. <laughs> well, I think that the first big difference is the wording you're going out with. If you go to, if you deliver your diagnostic things to research companies or to research labs. Mm-hmm. They know what's the thing about. You don't have to explain what is an antibody or an antigen or whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't have to explain things like uh, sensitivity or specificity. All this is known by the people and you can go with scientific background. You can explain why this parameter you are selling is important for them, what they can do with it. You have to deal with a lot of scientific papers, make extracts of that. And if you go to people like everybody on the street, you have to reduce all these things to very simple, but still should be correct text. So nobody's interesting how an antibody test works in the background. They want to have a reliable result. Everything else is fine to have, but 
you have, don't have to explain this because nobody really can't understand that because we have, of course, we have to accept we are specialists and there are only a few specialists that can deal with the high scientific things. And if you have to convince people to do things or to test themselves, as we did with the, with the InnoLab uh, idea, uh, you have to completely scale down all the information to very simple wording, to short wordings, because it, nobody reads half a page. <laughs> so it's impossible. They, they look at the first three, four, maybe five sentences and finished. Whatever is not in there, nobody will know. And we're still learning a lot of it. We're starting now a little bit of, of social media marketing, and it's not easy to find simple but correct words to bring the information this is necessary to the people that should be our customers. <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest challenge with that uh, in translating science into simple words? Stay with us. We'll be right back. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step -step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step -step guide to starting your podcast today. You have to you have to learn a new language. In fact, as as a as a, science, as a scientific worker, you have to simply to learn a new language. Like as a, also when you when you publish a patent, also this is a different language. I've learned this years ago, and now we have to learn the simple language of how to bring com complex things in easy words, easy understandable words. To the people outside. What's the that's normally the job of, of, of journalists, scientific journalists, but we haven't had any education in this. We do this learning by doing. What's uh, the most important thing that people should be aware of when they try a similar thing? So, but uh, what is the one thing to say, uh, take care of that in the translation work? Well, I think during the crisis, the last two years, most of the people have learned that there should be a responsibility for oneself. So this, I think this has been a little bit spread <laughs> and we want to increase this, this sensibility, this awareness. You have to care for your body by yourself. Nobody <laughs> else will do that. Also, even if it's, if it's, free of charge, you have to do it by yourself. And we try to create this awareness to have a look at your healthiness, at your lifestyle. This lifestyle has changed extremely because many people now are sitting more than ever in front of a computer or handy or whatever. Um, this is where we are not constructed for, for sitting. 
life, mm-hmm. for a going or walking or running life. And also, uh, as colleague before told us, people are trying to change their um uh, um how they how how they how what they eat, what they drink. Also this is changing and and therefore also they have to combine this change of eating and drinking to correlate it with their own healthiness mm. and their feeling healthiness because if you look or if you feel into yourself, most of your body tells you what to do. And based on this, there are, of course, many things uh, or possibilities on the diagnostic side, which is our job, to offer an easy understandable diagnostic and easy accessible diagnostic also, even if you have to pay for that, but you have easy access to that and you can monitor your wealthiness or your health status quite easily, regularly. And also this is very important to do this not once in 10 years, but should be every half a year, at least every year. No, I like mm-hmm. I like I like the development. I mean, uh, this is something that uh, is, I think, the one of the general themes of this year's year and referee recording this uh, increased awareness for health and that people have to take care for their own health. Um, also, the importance of nutrition and exercise. Uh, I think in the last two years we were talking about other things, and now it seems that people are getting more and more awareness of uh, this yet simple facts, but mostly overlooked facts for the last 20 years. When I started getting interested in general health uh, in the 90s, I think it was there was no cultural environment where it was generally accepted, and it seems to get better now. Do you, do you agree to that, or uh, is there still a trend uh, to say, yeah, when we are through with the pandemic now, who cares anyway, so let's go back to normal? No, I think uh, people are recognizing that the world has changed a little bit and we have to face lots of different crises mm-hmm. or problems or whatever you call it. And everybody has to recognize to have to, to do his own part to, in, to live within this. And if you want to live within a crisis, you have to care for your health at the beginning because if you are ill and sick and somehow not actable, nothing will happen. And I think this this mindset has already beginning to change slowly. And it will, of course, it will take years, if if not generations. But when I see our children and grandchildren, they have a quite different view on how life could be than we had. How how is this view? I'm curious. So, so yeah, how how is their view? Well, this 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 so-called work-life balance. Mm-hmm. When we were by building up our our scientific or our, our business twenty years ago, this this not didn't exist because there was work to do. We had to finish that, and if it took twenty hours a day, it took twenty hours a day. Nobody cared about that. It's impossible today. If you want to hire people, first question is half time. Uh, maximum 30 hours and home office. Mm. Then everything else, um, which is when you are working within a lab system, a laboratory doing from home office is quite a little bit difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it, maybe work. maybe there's a new trend to the home laboratory. So 
Yes, to be re remote, <laughs> remote pipetting and remote incubating. Um, and also, if you have some chemical reactions, mm -hmm. they do not know they have to be finished within three hours because then I want to go home. <laughs> you have to finish this. And if this mindset is present, it is really difficult to find people for research that is a little bit more intensive than three or four hours. But it's still possible. And when you find these people, we had good luck with two or three, they're really good. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is also a difference. There are people that want to work, they really do that, and you can rely on them, and they're responsible, and they take responsiveness for their projects, and you can put them into a process pack and you are sure if they say it's finished, it's really finished. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned this work life balance. I completely uh, buy into that in the 90s or 2000s, early 2000s. It was basically you go to the office or to the laboratory eight o'clock in the morning. Then being in the workplace until late evening, seven, eight in the evening, and then having a drink and uh, dinner with uh, colleagues at a restaurant yeah. around the corner and basically going home then 10, 11 p.m. and uh, repeat the next day, often throwing the weekends in. And you'll see with the young generation that this attitude changed. Yes. Oh, yes I, I think mainly it has changed. And also I've been to the university uh Three, three weeks ago, mm -hmm. Friday afternoon, empty. Really? There. Really. Few people running around, but in the evening, nothing. Everyone has gone home or whatever. At times when I was at the university, Friday afternoon, there was high life. Mm -hmm. We were yeah. finishing our, our processes, we were finishing our, our reactions, and then we went for a drink and we had fun and week was, was ended at 9, 10, 11 p.m. Mm -hmm. That's really different. And it was a long time that I've been to university that have not been there. So it was quite surprising for me to find everything empty and closed, of course. Everything okay. is locked. Everything is locked, so it's not open anymore. I mean, I remember university as basically a, a huge open place where I could go whenever I wanted, even in the night hours. So it's uh, locked up. Labs, labs are all locked up yeah, because, see. well, equipment is a little bit more expensive than our days. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's necessary to have coded access for for every lab, different in their reliabilities whatsoever. So it's quite. It's not so easy as, as, as in former times it was, but well, this is it's a fact. I mean, the problem is that because if you want to ensure a, a basic quality system, it's not useful if everybody can step into the lab and have a look into the that's true. reaction bottles. <laughs> That's that's true. When we go back to the to the life habits, I mean, I experienced both worlds, and I realized over the last twenty years that what we did uh, twenty years ago was uh, anything but healthy. And also nowadays, I question very often the productivity when people stay in the office for sixteen hours. Uh, in my opinion, it's next to impossible to do hard work, hard, uh, especially hard intellectual work uh, for sixteen hours straight. Um, I realized that. 
running, for example, you mentioned that the body is built for running, uh, also taking care of uh, proper nutrition habits and uh, social relationships uh, matter a lot. Um, the colleagues that I had uh, 20 years ago, very often uh, experienced when they hit their 50s, uh, severe episodes uh, with the healthcare system. So they had to take care of the health later on. Um, what's your advice when you look at the young generation and uh, from your life experience, uh, your opinion, what should they take care of to stay healthy? Well, as I told already, you have to listen to your own body. You have to find a balance between work, your nutrition, and your sport, whatever sport activity may be. You, you must not be, you must not run an Ironman every week. That's, <laughs> I don't think this is healthy. And by the way, but if you do a little bit of, of, of movement, every 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 second week, then <laughs> every second week, okay, maybe fine for the first two years. <laughs> Um, and I agree completely with you. It's impossible to uh, do productive work for 16 hours in in a lane. It doesn't work. You have to do some changes in between. You have to change between intellectual work, some maybe some manual work, if possible, in the lab. Or you just go out for, go for a walk or take a, a telephone call to simply to change the environment. It's also not healthy for the eyes to sit before the computer for hours. I, I noticed this very, very drastic when I changed from, from the lab system to the computer at home as a business angel. But the eye, the, I, need, I needed completely new buses mm -hmm. within a half year. And yeah. then I, I recognized, okay, this cannot be the way. I changed the, the screens. They are much better now. Mm -hmm. And I have a look outside the window, which is fortunately I can see to the Machtel Canal, as you see in the picture here. So this is a change in, in, in the eye movement, and this makes life easier. And we go for a coffee. Also, this is important. Yeah, I realized that uh, in March 2020, life changed a lot uh, before. And I wasn't aware of uh, of the severity of the change. I mean, before I always thought I was sitting in front of a computer for almost the entire day. And um, when I reflected this year about uh, how my life was in 2018 and 19, uh, compared to now, I think there was almost no screen time. Uh, the use of mobiles was not uh, that sophisticated uh, two to three years ago. Computer work, maximum one hour per day and uh, mostly traveling between the meetings so from one meeting to the next uh, across the city or uh, via countries but not sitting in front of a screen now when i think almost every meeting i have is still digital video conferences and the screen time when i look at my my phone i think it's eight hours per day and uh keeping the, yeah yeah it's, um now we have today we have a recording about five hours. Uh, I'm really happy that so many people uh, followed the call and say, okay, let's do that. And uh, when I do the post-production, it's screen time again. And when I run my business, um, I think almost every meeting, I think 90% of the meetings are video conferences. People are just happy that uh, for half an hour meeting with uh, an unclear outcome, especially in the early days of a deal, um, 
the rather choose uh, video conferences. Do you do you see the same trend that video conferences is something that stays? Yes, I'm quite sure this will stay because if you use it correctly or efficiently, you really can be much more efficient. You do not have to run across the city or the lab or the building or whatever for short things. So if mm -hmm. we if we do some project updates, which last for maximum half an hour, it would be completely senseless for me to drive one hour to Wiener-Neustadt, have half a time a meet, half an hour in a meeting and drive one hour back again. But didn't so, we do that two years ago? Didn't wasn't that a normal life three three, four years ago to just was, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we didn't think of it. And yeah. this has really changed and it 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 really saves a lot of time. Useless time, often useless time, but the question is, what are we doing with this time we saved? Is this more to create more free time for us, for ourselves, or are we going to be involved in more projects at the same time to be efficient? Well, but there, has to be a, 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 there has to be a balance between fact discussion, which can be done on the, show, the, uh, on the screen. No problem if you are going through a protocol or, or whatever you can discuss this. Go this through with the partners. They may be wherever. And this must be accompanied by personal meetings where you can discuss problems or strategies. I don't think it's important. It's possible to do a strategy meeting in a company via screens, mm -hmm. because if more than two people are talking at the same time, don't understand anything, and every personal contact is completely missing. Mm -hmm. We have a company in our wine cellar doing a strategic meeting once a week, once a month. And they're happy to be inside the room, having their eight, nine, ten people, no phones, no screens, just talking and, and writing something. Maybe some have a laptop to, to, to research some data, but normally they talk with other with each other. And they've they've discussed ideas and they validate the ideas with, with within these 10 people and no, no calls coming in or everything else. And this is they, they say it's very important for the culture within the company to keep the contact, the personal contact with within the managing team and also to of course to the to the employees. Mm -hmm. So it, it must be, I think there will be a a living together with part of it on the screen and part of real lifetime. And the yeah. more international you get. The easier it is, of course, to get some some discussions with people being on another continent. It's no problem to organize a, a meeting with Australia, US, and then Norway for two hours with no additional costs and no expen really expensive traveling times. When I, think I also saw that, that the, whatever congresses are doing, they are they will be complete, they will completely change because mm -hmm. you don't see any new things on a Congress. If you've seen that on newsletters or whatever already, you meet people there. But to meet people, I don't need a, a huge hall 
with whatever and booth, you need some nice living rooms. So I think this will go in this in this way. No, I couldn't agree, I couldn't agree more when I look at the conference industry. I think three years ago, my motivation to go to a conference in principle was um getting in touch with the industry and learning about the technology and uh, about new business possibilities. Um all of that I can do online. So all of that, uh, think webinars, for example, podcasts, like uh, like we started three years ago. Um, this year in review recording, people are happy to come come online and talk about their developments. Um, what I try to find out is what are the right meetings once or twice a year to meet a lot of people just for um, localizing, for having a few drinks, for having dinner and uh, just meeting people in real life. Where do you see the conference industry uh, going to in 2023? What are your trends that you think will happen? I think there will be a change to some lead uh, speakers, mm. just as a frame at the beginning. And then there will be what is always called networking, where you can discuss with lots of different people that you never would meet in a set of, in a set of, of, a, of a video conference, because I do not have a partner from whatever food industry, for example. I wouldn't meet her at, at, in our in our normal business. But if there's a, a after lead uh, discussion, you have time and there should be there should be a lot of time to find different groups of people talking together about their ideas. And that's also what I do in looking, what are they doing? What are they doing? This could last two or three hours, then it's fine and have something, some coffee or whatever. I think it will go in this in this direction. And the the, the big booth with presenting of machineries and so on, this can be done within a company also. If, mm -hmm. if, if we want to show our, our technology, everybody's invited to come to our company, to our lab, everything is set up, everything is done. It can be it can be shown there and it can be explained there. For interested people, and if you only go step by and go, oh, that's nice. It's it's green. Last year it was yellow. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. <laughs> that's 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 absolutely true. Uh, when I think about diagnostics, big trends in 2023 and onwards, uh, where do you see the diagnostic space going to? I think diagnostic will get more and more into the mindset of the people. Until now, it was the lab. You get some some value, and the doctor, medical doctor, says this fellow is fine or this is not fine. You have to do this or that. And I think that the background of diagnostic, what I really, what this means, you have some things in your body, some products, some molecules, and they are quantified. So you measure this is half a kilo or this is two grams or whatever, like like in a in the kitchen, and people are going to realize what this really means for their life, and they can act actively do contribute to their own self-caring by using the diagnostic tools that are available. They are getting mm -hmm. more simple. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not. It's they're getting more simple and they're getting cheaper. 
because it's also a question of, 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 of amounts. If you do two tests a week, it's much more expensive to do 200 tests a week. And the information, and also the information from the doc, from the medical doctor to to say the pharmacies or to every person, single person, will get better. I think there will be an understanding what diagnostic really is. Not a, not only a black box, but it's personal belonging. What do, what's your opinion? I mean, there was a uh, Theranos. I mean, the, the company failed, that's clear, but uh, the idea behind it is to have a very quick uh, diagnostic tool that diagnoses uh, a lot of diseases uh, in just one go uh, was very promising. Do you think something will be coming in the future so that you have uh, basically, uh, we just need a little bit of blood and can diagnose basically everything from uh, all kinds of genetic, non-genetic, uh, every kind of diseases, cancer and stuff like that, uh, just one go without having to deal with uh, a lot of different test kits, laboratories, a lot of different doctors. Do you see such a, a big breakthrough coming uh, somewhere in the future? Yes, actually, our analog system exactly does this. Mm -hmm. But the difference in teranosis, we have a blood sampling, a blood collection system, Mm -hmm. And then the back end, there's a laboratory with high sensitive validated test systems. And of course, from one blood sample, 5,000 different parameters, this never will work. So mm -hmm. this has to be specified. And there must be the technology, validated technology that really can do that. The idea, of course, was, was, was great. Mm -hmm. And they did not fail because of the idea. So they simply failed because they did not have the technical equipment behind it. They could not analyze what they promised. It's a simple <laughs> question of technology. Yeah, they didn't tell they anybody. Sold, they sold it really fine. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, the, the selling story was great and I think also the involvement of uh, big investors was great but actually they didn't just tell people what the reality of the status of the technology is when it maybe things would have been different if they just said um, it's a concept so we have the idea we just need to figure out how to solve it I still believe in 2018 19 17 16 the years before a lot of people would have invested anyways but just telling a in one book I read about venture capital, premature truth, it's a little bit uh, tricky sometimes. Yeah. I mean, to take it seriously, the development of a highly sensitive test system takes two to three months mm -hmm. to be valid. If you're very quick, But if you're very effective, if you have very good uh, connections to the notified bodies that have to certify the thing. Which But is also for one for one biomarker basically. So it's for just one biomarker. Mm. So if you have to 10, you need 30 month manpower, however, and the good of course good equipment. And this also cost, costs a lot of money. Yeah, What we are doing on our on our fluor bolt platform is exactly setting up one parameter after the other to be able to extract the parameters from the sample collection kit we have to give reliable results this will be built up within the next two three four years mm. Yeah, it would be great to have that. Albert, let's pull the next VK in. We are at 2 p.m. Sure. And uh, we have now Lina Toro and Maurizio Agudello from Biotech. I hope I pushed the right button. 
Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please show your support by liking, leaving a comment and sharing it with others. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on future episodes. Your support helps us reach more people like you who can benefit from this content. Thanks for being a part of our community.